welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll explain to you why you overreact. I'll also be interviewing James Perpera, who has an inspirational story of transformation. He shares his philosophy of how your life's perception determines your life's success. He reviews this in his book and movie, Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. For more information about James, please visit Powerful-U.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Why you overreact. Have you ever done something and in that moment you tell yourself you're so stupid or you're so dumb or you're so ugly or you always do stupid things like that? Those types of instantaneous thoughts really define the core beliefs that you have about yourself, either as a whole or specifically in that type of event that you just experienced. A core belief is essentially what we were taught as children. Either people told us that, or that's what we internalized about our life or about a particular event in our life. And if we don't catch that, we often find that we repeat those same thinking patterns or those belief systems over and over and over. And that's why as an adult, If you listen to what you say to yourself in that particular moment, you'll hear that you still think that same thing about yourself. Now, fast forward to today. In psychology, we teach that whatever you perceive to be true, in other words, what your thoughts are about a situation, determines what you feel. Your feelings then determine what your body does. There's a fancy term called cognitive distortions. And the layman's term is thinking errors. So we all have a form of a thinking error. I don't have enough time to explain all this, but I did write an article about it entitled Thinking Errors. So you can go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and you can read more about this. But the way a thinking error works is this. When we look at a situation or we evaluate what's happening, we automatically create a template of what we think is gonna happen next. And that's where the thinking error comes in. Think of a thinking error like glasses. When you put on a pair of glasses, you see the world in a different way. And if that perception is faulty or not true, then you'll find that you either have an internal conflict or you have a conflict or argument with someone else. So in other words, you perceive something to be true, and with those glasses, you see it skewed, which then causes you to have feelings that are overreactive, 
And those overreactive feelings turn into an overreaction in your physical demeanor or how the world sees you. So real quickly, those 15 common thinking errors are this, filtering. We take negative details and magnify them while we filter out all the positive things that are going really well. So in other words, we only look at the negative things in a situation. For example, today was the worst day ever. That's not true. Maybe five minutes was a struggle, but the whole day was not. Black and white thinking. It's either this or that, all or nothing. There's no opportunity for something to may not be true. Overgeneralizations. We give a general conclusion based on one situation, and that becomes the evidence of how every other situation will be exactly like that. Jumping to conclusions. Without a person even saying something, we know exactly what's going to happen. And that's often how we create arguments that haven't even happened yet. Catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is essentially thinking the worst case scenario. When you think a worst case scenario is going to happen, it creates worst case scenario emotions, which then creates worst case scenario overreactions. Personalization. We think everything is about us. In other words, the world revolves around us. And in that, we often think that we're the victim. Control fallacies. We often think that people are trying to control us. And in that, once again, we often feel like that victim, that we had no choice. You made me do this, so therefore, I had to feel it. Fallacies of fairness. When something isn't fair, we become very angry about that. But as we know, life is not fair. Blaming. We hold other people responsible for how we're feeling. It's your fault that I'm angry right now. Shoulds. We have a list of ironclad rules. You should do this. You must do this. You ought to have done this. Unfortunately, that creates an ideal environment that nobody can live up to. You should have done this. You should have done that. Emotional reasoning. We feel it, therefore it's true. Like I said earlier, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. Because I have a thought that I'm stupid, I must be stupid. Fallacy of change. We expect others to change to suit our needs. And sometimes that's a form of manipulation as well. Global labeling, which is essentially a form of stereotyping. You take one or two qualities about a person or even a culture, and all of a sudden the rest of that culture, the rest of those people are just like the one event or the one person who treated you a certain way. Always being right. We will fight to the end until we prove to someone that we were right and they were wrong. And last one is heaven's reward fallacy. We expect our sacrifice and self-denial to pay off. And when we don't get that justification or that validation, we become very bitter or resentful. So when you hear those 15 common thinking errors, think of which one really makes sense for you. If you find that you continually have an overreaction, either in your thoughts or when you interact with someone else, more than likely, one of you used one of these thinking errors. So when you remove the thinking error and say, wait a minute, maybe this isn't the way I continually think it is. Because if you reflect on the same type of situations that you have, and you keep having conflict, probably using the same thinking error over and over. So when you remove this, you'll find that you no longer have these conflicts with people. My guest today, James Purpura, has a fantastic philosophy. He's going to share with you of how your perception, including these thinking errors, continue to bombard your life. And if you're not aware of what your perception is, your life will not be as successful as you want it to be. So stay tuned for this fantastic interview. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. However, I want to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. Each week, I will send you an email which has all the latest radio episodes, YouTube episodes, magazine articles, and self-help products specifically for you. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv 
astrology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. My guest, James Purpura, has experienced some of the most extreme moments life can offer. 15 years ago, he was an inmate struggling with life in solitary confinement, a result of his actions while homeless and addicted to drugs. While there, he reconciled his life and developed a personal philosophy. Once released, he created a beautifully prosperous life and became inspired to share his knowledge with the world. Welcome to my show, James. Well, thank you so much. I sure appreciate you having me on today. I'm super excited to talk. I'm to you. excited as well. You have a fantastic first name, so we're going to get along really well. <laughs> right? That's what I was just going to say. It's like, you know, we're in the club, yeah. so we're good to go. You know, a lot of my listeners may not know this, but when I graduated post, uh, postgraduate work, my first job was in a prison. And so, for one thing, I didn't know what I was doing at 24 years old. So, it's to, to meet someone who was in solitary confinement, because I worked with a lot of people there, and to see him on this side, in other words, to see you on this side and see the prosperous life you've created. It's such an inspiration. So this is going to be a fantastic show today. Well, thank you. I sure appreciate it. It's been, been one heck of a journey. I <laughs> yeah, but here you are on the other side of it. And unfortunately, your wife, Steph, was not here to join us, but you both have fantastic stories and we're going to jump right into your story itself. Now, the personal philosophy that you created and that you understood as you were going through life, why don't you share that with us? So, you know, in my early years, because of some of the traumatic events of my childhood, I had, I had adopted a victim mentality. Oh. You know, and I would describe a victim mentality as the things were happening to me rather than because of me. And, you know, my mom was very much that way as well. And so she kind of put me into that. And so I was living at the level of effect, not at cause. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, it just felt like the whole world was out to get me, that nothing ever went in my direction. And, you know, and I, the problem was, is I was actually a really good person. And I was like, you know, I'd go to church and I'd say, well, good, do, do good things and good things will happen to you. Well, that wasn't my experience. I was doing good things and I was getting crapped on mm -hmm. all the time. So I was like, this doesn't really make yeah. sense. Um, but, you know, when I ended up in that jail cell and solitary confinement, I used to write these long lists of people who felt like who had harmed mm -hmm. me. Right. And one day I have this epiphany. I looked down at the list. I said, you know, the only common denominator between all of those situations is, in fact, yeah. me. Right. And I was like, as I thought about that, what did that mean? What it meant to me was either I created all of this or I created none of mm. it. Right. And so I, I started thinking about what those two statements meant, meant. And if I created all of it, that meant I must be pretty powerful because there was a lot of crap there. Or it also meant that I had to take responsibility or ownership sure. for it, which was a heavy weight to yeah, bear, definitely. right? Especially when you look around your life at that moment, like, wow, this yeah, is sitting, me. Yeah, right yeah. This I is mean, my, my issues. Yeah, this is, this is real. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in a jail cell. And so when I thought about the other side of that coin, what happens, what does it mean if I created none of it? Because I couldn't, couldn't have created some of it. And so what I... In that moment, when I decided what it meant if I created none of it, it meant the world really was a crappy place, and I no longer wanted to be a part mm -hmm. of it because a lot of bad things had happened to me. And so, you know, and, and good things happen to bad people. We all know that. And so it was on that day that I decided that I was the creator of my, my experiences, and then I was going to figure out how I created those experiences. You allowed yourself to be open to maybe my perception is different. Maybe the way I look at the world is probably not what's really happening. Right. And so, you know, I say on that day that I, I took responsibility mm -hmm. for my life. 
And so, you know, when I tell people and they're like, well, what do I need to do to change? I'm like, you need to own it all. Yeah. And they're like, well, I've had some pretty bad things happen to me. And I said, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Never said own your abuser's mm-hmm. actions, right? And so I had to ask, the next question I had to answer is what is the creative element of my life, mm-hmm. right? If in fact it was the abuse, then I'm stuck forever yeah. because I can't go back and change the abuse. So as I started to think about that question, what I realized is not every single person that's ever incurred any abuse in their life allowed that abuse to destroy mm-hmm. them. Well, it comes down so, to the foundation of how you create your, your narrative. If my foundation is right. abuse or my foundation is resilience or my foundation is whatever, that becomes the paradigm. In other words, the viewpoint of how we look at life. Right. But, I mean, let's take in fact, when this abuse happened, I was five mm-hmm. years old. Right. And so, you know, I was in a, I was in my elementary school te- teacher used to call me stupid every day. I bring him in class, call me retarded, which is hard to believe, but it happened. And so. So what was the creative element? It wasn't the abuse. It's what I decided to believe about myself because of the abuse that created the rest of my mm-hmm. life. And I think about these these pivotal moments in your life, like after this experience, every experience after is now going to be different because I lived through this, mm-hmm. either good or bad, right? And so I decided that the creative element was my beliefs. Now, I can make the argument all day long that I was five years old. Here's a person of authority, you know, being abusive to me. And if she's telling me I'm stupid and she's telling me I'm not good enough and she's telling me all these things, you know, why not believe her? Especially when I go get home, my mom doesn't say anything different. It's like, well... Yeah, but it was still my choice to believe mm-hmm. that, right? I still, even though it didn't feel like a choice and maybe it was a really narrow choice, that was where I took my power back. Yeah. I chose the beliefs that dictated the rest of my life, not the teacher. And one of the beautiful things about that as well is when we reflect on those times that were pivotal moments in our life, the great thing about today is we can rewrite that perception. We can rewrite that narrative right this second. And I think so many times people get stuck in this perception of what I've experienced is who I am. When the reality is an event that we experience is simply an event. It's not who we are, but oftentimes we create. Has no meaning. Cre- exactly. And oftentimes we create that identity through that event. And that's how we now understand the world around us. Right. And that's what I was saying is like, not every person that's occurred abuse has allowed that abuse to destroy them. Some people have allowed it to strengthen them and embolden them and help them to change the world, right? And so as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about all of the circumstances that came out after. And so, you know, from that, so the first thing I did was I I owned everything. Everything's my fault. I'm taking responsibility for it. You know, my beliefs created this life. And then I started to shape and change the beliefs. And so shortly after I got out of jail, I met my wife and she had equally of a traumatic childhood. And we decided we were going to go on a journey together to really define the creative elements in our lives. And, you know, all, you know, about that time, you know, the, the law of attraction is all the rave, rage, mm-hmm. right? And so we dug in with both feet and we're like, okay, law of attraction. Here's what I didn't like about the law of attraction, right? Is the way it was traditionally thought, thought about and taught was, okay, I'm going to sit around and I'm going to wait for some magical force to bring stuff to me. Right. First of all, I couldn't duplicate that. Second of all, um, you know, I wanted to take more action. I wanted to be an active participant. In my uh-huh. life. And so 
we, it's not that we rejected that idea. Really what we did was, well, that's not enough. And so what we started doing was shaping and changing our beliefs. You know, I remember the first affirmation I ever adopted was I love myself, right? And I'd be like, I love myself. And this voice in my head would say, liar. You know, and I'd say it again, and I'd say it again, and I'd say it again until it felt like less of a mm -hmm. lie. And then eventually it felt true. And so, you know, what we learned over time was is that as we shaped and changed the outside world, the inside world, the outside world shapes and changes. And so, you know, the inside is always reflected on the outside. And that's the principle that people need to understand. It's is um, that, you know, people are going out and trying to change their lives from the outside in instead of the inside out. And that doesn't work because of the way perception works. Mm -hmm. Right. And the key element underpinning perception is, is you do not see reality. And, you know, I say that to people and they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I don't see reality. And they're like, no, no, you don't see reality, right? And they, they don't really get it because it feels mm -hmm. real. Yeah, of course. It, it's right? interesting because if you look if you look up the word belief, which is relative to perception, a belief in the English dictionary, the antonym, in other words, opposite word of belief is actually truth. So when we have this belief system, you coming from an English language, the belief system is faulty because it's not fully fleshed out. It's a nugget, or in other words, a shard of a piece of glass, when that's how we view the world. And so really, it's, I was kind of, kind of a nerd in some ways, but when you go from the English language, it automatically tells you if you believe something, which is your perception, automatically says it's not true. Right. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things I like to think about in that area is like, you know, people like to say you're the sum total of your experiences. Actually, you're not the Correct. sum total you're of not. your experiences. You're the sum total of your beliefs, yes. right? Because that's what you see. And so the question is, if I'm not seeing reality, what do I see? You're seeing an assumption of what you believe reality is. And so what's the difference? And how close is my, is my assumption to the real reality? And I would say, well, look at your life, mm -hmm. right? Is it everything that you want it to be? And if the answer is no, then it's if it's way off, then it's really far off. If it's a little bit off, then it's a little bit off. But so the question I like to ask people, James, is, is could you have the thing that you want most in the world sitting right in front of your face and just not see it? What do you think? Oh, I think you totally could. I think you completely right. could. Yes, of course. So we, we tell a story to make this super easy. The first thing I'd like you to understand is like, uh, you remember the last time you bought a car, uh -huh. right? And so I don't know if you picked the car out before you went to the dealership or you decided at the dealership. But once you decided that that was your car and you became focused on that car, did you notice that that car was everywhere all of a sudden? <laughs> yes. You're like, everybody's driving this car. It's like everywhere, right? Well, those cars were always yeah. there. You just didn't see mm -hmm. them before because you didn't, you didn't bring them into your awareness. And so I like to tell a story. And here's a story. I want you to imagine a man who wants more than anything to be loved. Right? He wants to be in a relationship, but unfortunately, he's got super low self-esteem and abysmal self-image. Right? One day, this guy walks into a store. He walks up to the counter. The girl behind the counter starts flirting with him. The question I have for you is, does he see it? You know, that's a great question. If, sometimes if we look for something so much and we have a different understanding of what that looks like, probably not going to see it. So everybody asks that question. It says, no, he probably doesn't see it. And I ask why. And he said, well, because you said he had low self-esteem. So you're telling me that a belief that he has about himself is impacting what he can actually see. 
because the facts are in objective reality is he's in the store. The girl is actually flirting mm -hmm. with him. And so the thing that he wants most in the world is right or the opportunity to get is right in front of his face and he can't see it. The questions your viewers should be asking themselves is what if this is happening to me? Because we, I think we think, oh, yeah, that's a cute story. And maybe this happens every once in a while. No, it happens all the time. And so the reason that our book is called Perception Seeing is Not Believing is because seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. You, your perception works in a limited field. You can only see that which you believe to be possible. Mm -hmm. People are like, no, I see everything. No, you don't see everything. You can only see what you believe to be possible. The less you believe it, the less likely you are to see it. And I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people when I first say it, but you know, when we talk about this guy in the store, he didn't see the girl flirting with him because he didn't believe it was possible. And so I often ask people, would you go to look for a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? And they're like, no. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, because I don't believe it's possible. Well, your mind works the same way. Because your mind is, if you could be in your subconscious mind, your, your subconscious mind literally takes in all the information, mm -hmm. millions of bits of information a second. Well, your conscious mind can't handle that much information. So what it does through your perception is it literally whittles that down to the most interesting pieces. Well, what is the most interesting pieces? Much like you wouldn't go look for a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because you don't believe it's possible, your perception, your mind is not looking for illusionary stuff, things that doesn't see it's possible. So it's that's why the guy doesn't recognize the girls flirting with them. You know, but what's interesting about the story, and we've all been in this situation, is either you're the guy or you're the friend standing off to the side. Guy walks away from the counter, right? He walks up to you and you're like, dude, what are you doing? That girl's flirting with you, right? He's instantly, he sees it because that it's already mm -hmm. there in his subconscious sure. mind. And he's like, oh my God, you're right, right? And he gets super nervous. And so we hear stories all the time about people who are married that worked together for 10 years, who both liked each other the whole time, didn't know, and it was right there, and they missed 10 years yeah, together. that's amazing. And that's the way perception yeah. works. If I can piggyback off that as well, in Rationally Motive Behavioral Therapy, it's an offshoot of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. So those are my listeners who do a little bit of research after we talk. I really want you to, really want you to remember this as well, that what we teach, which is just like what James is saying, is whatever you perceive to be true, whatever your belief system is based off of what, how you take in your surroundings, it determines then what you feel. Your feelings then determine what your body does. So if your perception is skewed in some way, just like James is saying, then all of a sudden it creates this environment or this emotional experience, which then tells your body either through neurochemicals or through physical response of how your world is, how your reality is. And so it's, it's, it's obviously very vital for each one of us that if we're looking at our life from a, from a momentary, stand, momentary standpoint, in other words, right this second, I'm feeling a disconnect. If you have that awareness, I'm feeling like I'm slightly overreacting or underreacting. Right there, that's a really good clue that right in that second, you've probably perceived something slightly off. And so if you have that moment of reflection, just say, wait a minute, if my response is disproportionate to what's going on, more than likely, I probably missed something in that moment. Well, yes, I'm going to double down on what you just said, okay? So the, the key is, is that, you know, people often ask me, well, well, how do I know what I believe in my subconscious mind? And I'm like, well, look at your life. The evidence is everywhere. I can look at your bank account and tell you what you believe about money. I can look at your health and tell you what you believe about health and fitness, right? I can look at 
you know, your job and tell you what you believe about, you know, whatever, your relationship, same thing. And there is no mystery to life. In other words, it's just a math calculation. You are on a path to somewhere without interruption, you're going to land in that place. And that's what we try to demonstrate through the movie. But you do have a window into your subconscious mind and it's your emotions. So your perception gives your life the only, gives, is all there is. It's, it is your life, right? And your emotions give your life the only meaning they have, right? We're emotion junkies. Mm -hmm. But what you just said was really relevant in the sense of why do we have reactions that seem, you know, like they don't match the situation? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you're having a conversation, you and me are talking and I get angry, right? Why did I get angry? Well, because you said something that triggered something inside of me. But my anger does not match our conversation, mm -hmm. right? And so here's where we get caught up with emotions. And we misunderstand emotions, we misunderstand perception. This is what you need to understand about emotions. Emotions were never meant to tell you that something was wrong on the outside. They were meant to tell you that something's wrong on the inside. And so it's so often that, you know, us as human beings make our emotions about other people. You made me feel this way, right? Or make their emotions about us, right? You know, and that is a mistake because what's happening is, is that you're missing a valuable opportunity to, to get a glimpse into your subconscious mind. So what I'd ask you is why do the things that upset you upset you? Coming out of that kindergarten situation, you know, you can call me ugly, I'd laugh at you, right? You can call me this or that or the other thing, I'd laugh at you, but if you called me stupid, it was mm -hmm. on, yeah. right? Well, why? And so the question is, is because you know, if I said to you, James, I can tell you you're a super intelligent guy. If I said to you, you know, James, you're stupid, you would laugh, right? Because you don't believe it's true. Correct. But if I say something that triggers a negative emotion in you, it literally means that you, you harbor feelings around mm -hmm. that. So if I said that you were ugly and you were like, oh, screw you, and you got pissed, you actually believe that you're mm -hmm. ugly, right? And so that's what's in your subconscious mind. And so by projecting and blaming our emotions on other people, we're missing the valuable data that we need to change and shift. Because a negative emotional reaction is a window into a belief. And so whenever I get upset about something, you know, after the, the emotion has settled down, what I do is I go, why did that trigger yeah. me? What that word, why did that situation, what was it? What belief inside of me did that poke at? You know, you think about it with your spouse, like, they push your buttons. Well, what are those buttons and why are they able to push them? Well, those are limiting beliefs you have about yourself and they know what they are. So they just come around and go, you know, and that is the data you need to shift and change. Perfect. Well, unfortunately, James, our time is up. You have such amazing expertise, amazing wisdom. And I know I want my listeners to watch your movie, Perception, Seen is Not Believing, and also to purchase your book, Perception is Not Believing, It's Time to Evolve. Where would they find this information online? So you can buy the book, Perception Seeing is Not Believing, on Barnes & Noble or Amazon right now, or you can come to our website and buy it there. Uh, you can buy our movie. It's available for, for screening on our website, which is powerful-letteru.com. That's powerful-letteru.com. If you type in you, it's fine, too. Or you can just Google us, Powerful You. Um, and you can stream the movie right from our website. And, you know, like I said... There's information in this movie that will shift you on a very fundamental level. There's information in this book that will. And all in with this, it's like we spend so much time trying to figure out the mechanics of how life works 
that we that we spend very little time living it. My my wife and I went through and we lined all the mechanics out so you don't have to guess anymore. We did all the guesswork for you and we explained it in a way that you can't ignore. Awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest today. I really do appreciate all your time. James, thank you. I, I It's been a pleasure talking to you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.